leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Long ball. It's going to go for a touchdown. The game's over. Webster Slaughter. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host of the North Coast Sports, Jack McCurry. How are you doing tonight, Jack? I'm doing well, man. How about you? Oh, day off from work, as it seems to be every Tuesday. So I've pretty much done absolutely nothing uh, today, which is always nice. But, um, you know, we're here to discuss the Cleveland Browns. And unfortunately, we're not having another victory pod as the Browns lost 38 to 14 to the Los Angeles Chargers uh, on Sunday. You know, it was a very rough game. I didn't wake up till about three o'clock, so I missed most of the first half. But I went back and watched everything, and uh, I'm almost kind of glad I slept through it and, and didn't waste my time and was able to breeze through it relatively quickly. But you know, this game was extremely frustrating for the Browns. They could not stop the run. They couldn't get anything going on offense. And when you look at you know, Baker Mayfield's first couple starts, he's performed pretty well. But you could absolutely consider this Baker Mayfield's welcome to the NFL game. He kind of hit that rookie wall after riding high for the first uh, two or three weeks that he's been out there. So, Jack, when you look at Baker going forward, do you expect more of what we saw from him in those first few weeks? Do you expect more of... Uh, what we saw against the game against the Chargers um, as we move on towards the rest of the season? Or do you expect kind of a a mix of both as we uh, move ahead here? I I think you'll see a mix of both. No rookie quarterback's perfect, and if anybody tells you they are, they're lying. Um, uh, Attention Colin Cowherd, who praises Sam Darnold any chance he can, but buries Baker also any chance he can. Um, you know, you've seen it. Baker, you know, got off to a rough start, not completely his fault. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, just the sacks and then obviously the ankle injury that he suffered early in the game. You know, it just kind of it just affected him the rest of the out, rest of the game. And then, you know, being down so much, you're going to throw it around and obviously turnovers are going to happen. Definitely through two picks and both of them. Uh, you know, there's things he can work on, you know, you're not going to throw it. The one interception that he was trying to throw to Landry, you don't throw it across your body like that in a situation. You either try to tuck it run, which obviously with the ankle, he didn't, um, or you just 
either find someone else open, you, you check down to one of the running backs, or you throw it away. Don't. I mean, we were down. He's trying to make a play, obviously. That's the kind of guy Mayfield is, but you also have to protect the football. And then the other interception in the fourth quarter, uh, he was trying to force a ball to Njoku. And, you know, obviously uh, Desmond King, who happened to pick off both of Mayfield's passes, seeing that Mayfield locked on. You know, we've seen guys in the past, Brandon Whedon is the best example, you cannot lock on to receivers like that. Defensive backs will, will pick you off faster than you could say, I mean, anything. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. He's got to protect the football. And obviously with the sacks, you know, the offensive line starting to struggle a little bit. But also Baker's got to get the ball out quicker. Um, it seems like, I don't know if the receivers aren't getting open enough. I haven't gone back and watched the coaches tape. But either the receivers aren't making themselves open or, you know, Baker's just sitting back there waiting for something to open up. But, you know, these are rookie mistakes. He's going to learn from them. He's going to have his highs. He's going to have his lows. But, you know, Hopefully nobody doesn't lose their patience with Mayfield because, you know, like I said, no rookie quarterback's perfect. You know, I think you are on something when you say uh, you don't think it's um, the receivers aren't getting open. I think that's what it might be. But let me touch on something else you said. Um, you know, Mayfield was locking on to receivers on Sunday. And, you know, after the Baltimore game, there were a few Baltimore defenders uh, that were saying the same thing. Uh, that Mayfield is locking on the guys. Uh, you know, he's looking for that first guy and really isn't looking across the field. Is that something that you've seen over his first uh, three and a half games so far? I mean, at times, yeah. But I also see a guy that's spreading it around to multiple different receivers. You know, we just talked about it last week. I think he hit nine different receivers in the Baltimore game. Yeah, does he tend to throw it more to more to guys more times than others? Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Landry, Callaway, and Najoku combined in the San in the LA game, not San Diego, um, thirty-one times between those three guys. But then, you know, Ratley got eight targets, and then that was it. Those are f- the four receivers. I mean, Duke Johnson was targeted five times, and Orson Charles was targeted the other time. Um, yeah, does he try to lock onto his primary receivers? Yeah, but I have also seen where he tries to spread it around some. Um, you know, th- I think that's also a product of he's working with what he has and he's trying to trust those guys and, you know, get, getting them the ball because they're the receivers. They're supposed to catch the balls that obviously Baker's throwing to him. But um, it also could be a product of he was in the Big 12 where, yeah, he he ran these high complex offenses, you know, Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops. You know, those were the guys he co- uh, played under at Oklahoma. Um Oklahoma, Big 12 has been naturally a a conference where there's not a lot of defense played, and sometimes these offenses are just one read, and then if not, you try to make another play elsewhere. So, you know, it's something Baker's got to work on, but I'm not concerned quite just yet because I, I see I see greatness in his game, and I think he's going to continue to get better and better. You know, it's hard to find positives when your team loses by 24 points uh, in a game, but... I have two uh, that came from the offense. One is Duke Johnson. I think they've made a concerted effort uh, to get him the football uh, on Sunday. Uh, he had uh, five targets in the passing game. He had two rushes. Now, granted, that's still only uh, seven plays des- potentially designed for him. Um, what did you think about Duke Johnson finally getting a little bit more involved in mainly the passing game? Well, I think it was a long time coming, and, like, I still don't understand why Todd Haley's not 
uh, incorporating him more into the offense. Um, I wrote about it on the NorthCoastSports.com. I think Duke Johnson's the second best. He might even be the best receiver on the Browns' offense right now. Uh, no disrespect to Jarvis Landry, but you know, you look at Duke. He had at least 53 catches his first three seasons. Going into Sunday, he only had 10 so far through five games. Um, you know, he went out there and showed Todd Haley and showed everybody, I am a playmaker at this uh, at the at the NFL level, and it's time you guys start using me the right way. Six offensive touches, 109 yards, and then, you know, you look at other guys getting more targets at him, and they're not living up to their end of the bargain. And it's, you know, Duke Johnson and even Nick Chubb, for instance, these guys are out there and they make big plays, and they're not being rewarded with more playing time. And um, I, I don't understand what Haley's thinking is. It's making me very, it's making me question very much about. Haley's ability to run an offense you know I know he's had he's had great success at Kansas City Arizona recently with Pittsburgh but if you're not utilizing the offensive talent that's in front of you to not to the best of your ability then why are you here when you're trying to help turn the Browns around we'll touch on Haley more in a second but my other positive from the game is uh actually Najoku he was targeted 12 times he caught seven of those balls and uh there was I think I only counted one drop that he had on Sunday. And, you know, this season has been pretty rough on him so far. He's had a lot of drops. Um, you know, I think this is the most targets he's had in a game uh, this season. And, you know, he had seven catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown is absolutely how they should be using Najoku in the red zone. That is textbook uh, on what they need to be doing uh, with him at all times. You know, what was your opinion on how the Joker played this season or on Sunday, and what can you expect from him the rest of the season? I thought he played a good game. You know, um, David or Baker at Oklahoma depended a lot on Mark Andrews. He was their tight end, and Baker likes to throw down the middle of the field. I think you you charting that, you know that Baker likes to go down the middle of the field. Um, you know, Njoku in the three starts by Baker, he's had seven targets against Oakland. 11 targets against Baltimore and 12 against the the Chargers. So I think and it seems like Najoku's starting to get a consistent rhythm. He's had at least 52 yards in all three games, got his first touchdown on Sunday. Uh, Najoku's a big part of this offense. There's no doubt about it. Not just physically, but I mean, when the other receivers aren't making a big play, Baker's going to look to David and, you know, I could see David consistently getting better. You know, he's already closing in on exceeding his numbers from last season already. He had 32 catches for 386 yards last season as a rookie. This year, he's already at 27 catches for 245 yards. So I expect Njoku to be a big part of the offense for the last 10 games of the season. It's up to him to make those catches when Baker throws him the ball, though. Absolutely. And you know that, that's the biggest thing with, with Njoku is the hands. And you know I'm of the contention that if he's able to develop consistent hands – and maybe limit, you know, to one drop per game, which I think is realistic for him. Um, one, maybe two. But, you know, he is someone who can be the absolute focal point of this offense. And um, as you saw in that touchdown throw, he is uh, a red zone threat waiting to happen. As long as he can become consistent. And, you know, those plays that they ran – or that play that they ran for him in the end zone, um, you know, lining up – lining him up one-on-one out there, you know, any kind of short yardage play, 
uh, in the end zone or, or even, you know, if you have like a, a third and one, at, at, you know, around the 50 or, or wherever around the field. Those are the kinds of plays that the Joku needs to become really good at. You know, that really the kind of not like a, a Randy Moss uh, deep threat, but, you know, Moss was great at going up and, and getting balls. Um getting those one-on-one balls. So I think as we move on with the rest of the season, the Joku, you know, they need to use them more in that role. And, you know, it's something I've been clamoring for all the last season and this season as well uh, with the Joku. Uh, let's go back to, to Haley a little bit. You know, you mentioned some of the uh, issues with not utilizing some of the talent. One of my issues is we've seen it countless times this season. Um, you know, you saw before Njoku caught that touchdown, they ran that shovel pass to Duke Johnson on the one-yard line. I am really sick and tired of Todd Haley running these cutesy little plays on goal line situations or third and one, second and one, uh, wherever it may be on the field. Is that something that has bothered you as much as it's bothered me so far? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you get inside the 10-yard line, don't try to get cute because when you get cute, turnovers are going to happen. Um, if you do that stuff like from the 20 to the 20, th- that could work because you have a lot more space of, of real estate on the field to make like a big play. Um, when you do it inside the 10 yard line, or it's, whether you're on your side of the field or you're down towards the red zone trying to get a touchdown, it, it's really stupid. And we see it in the Oakland game and we see it again on Sunday. I know that Haley is an offensive guru, and I'm using air quotes, but you can't see that, and neither could our listeners. But, like, you could not do stupid plays like that. I think, you know, you go back to last year when, I think it was the Jets game, and they ran, even though it was Kaiser that called an audible on it, if you have a speed option down in the red zone, that that's not a good play to run when you're an NFL offense. You need to run these plays like utilizing big weapons like Najoku or Seth DeValve, who's who got one snap after a 30-yard catch last week, or use Damian Ratley, who granted was a six-round pick making his NFL debut. Kids like six foot three, throw him up a fade route and see if he can go up and make a play. If he can't, it could be an incomplete pass off his hands or something. But like he just tries to make things too difficult, tries to make things too cute. And it ends up where the Browns don't score any points. And I think that's been the biggest thing. In the first quarter games, if they're moving the ball down the field, they've only scored six points in the first quarter all this season. And then when you get all these turnovers that the defense has created for us and they turn around and don't put any points on the board, hardly any, they might get a field goal out of it. But like, I don't think there's been too many touchdowns off of turnovers. That's not what an offensive guru is supposed to do offensive guru is supposed to put the team in a situation where they can score touchdowns and then capitalize on it by scoring touchdowns and i don't think haley's done that this year i don't know if he's trying to undermine hugh jackson and try to put the blame on him but haley needs to get over that and focus on making the browns in a better situation to where we're winning football games absolutely you know, you mentioned the touchdowns after tor- turnovers. I think we only have two. One against the, the Steelers uh, after the Peppers uh, fumble recovery. And I think the one against the Jets when Denzel Ward shipped the receiver and returned it um, to, like, the two-yard line. And both of those were, I think, Carlos Hyde runs uh, 
like Iron Enzo at that point. You know, talking about the running backs, I think another point of contention with Todd Haley is the lack of Nick Chubb. Now, I don't know if it's Todd Haley. I don't know if it's Hugh Jackson. I don't know if it's Nick Chubb not being ready. But Chubb only had seven stamps this week. He had three carries for... Well, I just had 25 yards 20, Twenty-five. Yeah. Uh, with a long of 19. So his other two carries, he averaged three yards, uh, if you take out that one. So when you look at Nick Chubb, I think we all see somebody who has the talent to potentially be a, a starting running back in this league. Is this just a case of he's a rookie and isn't learning everything uh, or hasn't learned everything that he needs to to be out there consistently? Or is he being held back for some reason that we don't know of? I think it's it might be a mixture of both. I think obviously, you know, rookies when they come into the NFL, they're not polished. You know, there's always the the rare occurrence where a guy comes in day one and just lights up the league. We've seen it a few times over the last couple of years. You know, and I mean, you look at his teammate in Georgia, Sony Michelle. He got eased in because of injury, but you look at him now, he's the lead back for the New England Patriots and he's had at least I think 90 yards in the last 3 games. Um, you know, I think Chubb can definitely do that. He's obviously not getting the opportunity. I know that, you know, there's a speculation out there about his pass blocking. If you've seen some of the tape that our buddy Jake Burns has put up on Twitter in the last couple of days, you've seen that Carlos Hyde is no saint back there when it comes to pass protection. Um, you know, obviously the Browns are working with that. They don't have a fullback currently, although they did work out Dimitri Flowers on Monday. And, you know, Dan Vitale's gone from the team. The offensive line's been an issue. But, you know, this is a situation where, and it looks like the team's developing young talent. We'll get to that later on in the show as well. Why not put Chubb out there, give him the ball, because you can see when he does get the ball, he makes plays. But if he has to go back there and pass protect, it's a good learning experience. He can go back there, learn from things, and then watch film and try to work on it. That's what the coaches are for as well. You know, you have Freddie Kitchens, and you have, you know, maybe Bob Wiley can help teach him some techniques as well, blocking techniques as well. But, you know, this is a situation where if the team is not willing to contend, then you put the young guys out there and let them develop and let them take their licks and so that they can better themselves from the mistakes they've made on the field. Is this a case to you of they're playing Carlos Hyde because they're in a win-now mode versus being in a player development mode and playing Nick Chubb? I mean, you would think it's that, but if they were in a win-now mode, I mean, I think other guys would be playing. I think they wouldn't be bringing these guys in for workouts, which we'll talk about later in the show, and letting them walk. I mean, this team has, I think, over $50 million in cap space. If they were a win-now, then I think they would be making moves to prove to everybody that they're a win-now team. But part of me also thinks, and we'll talk about, we'll, we'll add on to this more at the end of the show, I think that they're still in player development mode. And if they're in player development mode, why are you giving your carries to Carlos Hyde? And no disrespect to Hyde, I think he's still in the top 10 and rushing in the National Football League, but he's averaging less than four yards per carry. Yeah, he's gotten in the end zone plenty this year, but, I mean, why continue to give Chubb the most carries? Granted, he's not even getting the most snaps at running back Duke Johnson is, but if you got a guy like Carlos or Nick Chubb on the sidelines and you're he's not being used, 
why did you draft him so high in the draft to let him sit on the bench most of the game? Uh, let's move on to uh, the defense, which struggled mightily uh, against the run on Sunday against the San Diego Chargers, or San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they ended up giving up 200 and, uh, 246 yards on the ground. They could not stop uh, the toss sweep play one bit. And Melvin Gordon just completely ate him up. Phil Rivers only threw the ball 20 times. He only completed 11 passes, and that's all he needed to beat the Browns. Uh, they, like I said, they ran the ball for 246 yards. So when you're looking at this defense, where was the major fault uh, in this defense on Sunday against the Chargers? Uh, I think it was started up front, definitely. I think the secondary did okay. You know, they gave up those two big plays to Tyrell Williams, and you take those away. Phillip Rivers only threw for 114 yards um, and one touchdown. Yeah, he gave up, like, that one play, and I think they ran the same exact play both times, and Phillip Rivers killed him with a 44-yard pass and then a 45-yard touchdown pass to Tyrell Williams, which... You know, Demarius Randall was there, and he ha- he was on the ball too, but obviously the tie goes to the receiver. But, you know, the biggest fault was up front. You know, you look, this run defense has taken a big step backwards from a year ago where they were, I think, top 10, top 5 in the league in run defense. Right now, through six games, they're 29th in the league in rushing, rushing yards allowed. And that's really big, really concerning. And it makes me wonder, I know that they didn't fit the scheme, but why did we give up so quickly on Danny Shelton and Jamie Meter? Yeah, Trevon Coley had flashes last year and was more consistent because he was out on the field more than Shelton. But, you know, the run defense took a big step backwards. Uh, you know, they limited Miles Garrett from because Miles Garrett likes to cut inside and stop the run. So they went outside and they underutilized it or they capitalized on it. Um, the Chargers did. And then the linebacker play was horrible, especially once Joe Schobert went down and he's going to be down for a little bit with a hamstring injury, and that's definitely going to be a blow to the Browns' defense. Um, also didn't help that Burgess got injured. But, like, just seeing the effort out there. The leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, there's one play where there's one of those toss plays to Melvin Gordon, and you see Coley and Jamie Collins, and there's a couple other players just kind of like walking around or even doing like a slight jog. If you're not giving the effort on on the field, I hope Greg Williams chewed him out in the film review on Monday because that's that's terrible. It's terrible to the fans, terrible to the coaches who put the work in. You know, it makes me wonder if all the stuff last week, all the talk, you know, Snoop Dogg coming in, if all those players were just kind of feeling themselves after they shut down the Baltimore offense and held them to nine points, if they were just like, yeah, we can walk on the field and beat any defense, but then. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers offense gave him the reality check on Sunday. Yeah, there was a few plays that, you know, the one I say was the one you were just talking about of people kind of loafing around, and I'm sure they got a loaf on, on their grade sheet um, in their film review. So, you know, that's something you can't have. This this team, 
Now, granted, that was later in the third quarter when the game was already decided. But still, you need to give 100% every single play, every single snap, every single second of every single game. And when you start seeing stuff like that, that's when you know you start to wonder what's going on. And you know, losing Joe Schobert is not going to be fun for this defense. Um, you know, you have Jamie Collins, who's been under underwhelming this season so far. Christian Kirksey, I, I think you could put into that same category as well, even though he did have that interception in the red zone this week. You know, this linebacking quarter, I think is something that needs worked on, something that needs tweaked. Now, that's not something you're going to be able to uh, really accomplish during the season. They'll have to wait till uh, the draft and free agency to really address that. But I think that's one area next year, uh, you know, they're going to have to make some decisions. And I think they can get out of Jamie Collins' Collins's contract after this season and it not hurt them too bad. I, I seem to remember that. But, you know, this linebacking core going forward without Joe Schobert, what is the impact of not having Joe in there, you know, if for two, three, four weeks, maybe even longer? Yeah, it's going to be a big blow because, like you said, these the linebackers have underwhelmed. You know, right now we're down to Kirksey and Collins. We just added a guy off the practice squad. You know, they brought in Navarro Bowman in for a workout today on Tuesday, but it doesn't look like they're going to sign him, or I think we would have heard something at this point at the time of the recording. So, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You know, we're going in to Tampa later this week. They have a strong running back. They have a strong tight end. We, we need those linebackers to cover, and Schobert been playing at a Pro Bowl level the last year and a half, and he's top 10 in pro football focus. He's top 10 in all the major like linebacker categories on PFF, and you know, it's going to be a big blow, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it's time for Kirksey and Collins to step up and earn the money that they're making right now. They're both making big salaries for their at their position and on the team. It, it's time for them to live up to that, and especially Collins, because it wasn't just Sunday. There's been times during, like, every game where I've seen him walking around being lazy on the field and I'm just thinking, like, now I can see why Belichick got rid of him for just a third-round pick almost two years ago now because the dude has not lived up to the hype when the Browns traded for him, and it's been a, he's been a major disappointment. Absolutely. Um, you know, there, after the game, some players uh, left early uh, before speaking to the media. Uh, Landry was one of them. Is, is there something going on? behind closed doors that we don't know about is there has anything caught your ear caught your eye uh, or uh, in terms of quotes and whatnot about maybe there's something behind closed doors that we don't know i mean there very well could be i mean i know landry um ken carmen and anthony lyman were talking like his body language on the sidelines on sunday was was not good um you know miles garrett checked out early you know and the defensive players i think it was Randall and Kirksey there's another player like complaining about the officials and I know that the the refereeing has been pretty bad at times during the Browns games but it's happening all over the league I mean it's apparent Mike Tomlin called out the officials and got fined for it but you know at the end of the day you have to go out there first of all put in the effort and you have to make plays you know the Oakland game you know, everybody wanted to complain about the officials. 
the defense gave up 45 points. Well, 38 points. One of those play, one of those touchdowns was a pick six uh, by Mayfield. This week, they gave up 38 points. I mean, you can complain about the officials all you want, but at the end of the day, you have to check yourself at the door and know that you're just as much at fault for whatever's going on in that football field for why you gave up 38 points. And I don't know if they're now starting to lose faith or hope or confidence that Hugh Jackson's the right coach, but don't quit. I mean, if you quit, you might be trying to get Hugh Jackson out the door, but you're also playing a part into where you won't be on the Browns in the future because you quit. So, I mean, whatever these guys are doing, and I know Landry's frustrated going back to Jarvis Landry. I know he's frustrated because he's not playing up to his contract. I think it's apparent Jarvis Landry's not a number one receiver, but right now he is. And I think it's, you know, defenses are like, well, we're going to rattle Landry because, and if these other guys can make plays, then, then so be it. But, you know, Landry, you know, put up the big talk in training camp when he stood up in front of the wide receiver room and gave that big rah-rah speech, he's still got to go out and put up a, a good effort and try to be the best wide receiver he can be. And if he's not, then he doesn't need to be a bad teammate because then he's not practicing what he was preaching during training camp when he was acting all like Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Big Shot. And, you know, the whole team just needs to get themselves back on track and hopefully Sunday was a reality check for that whole team and they could come back and play better starting this week against Tampa. But if they do stuff like that, it, this season's going to go downhill really quick. Uh, I have two points with uh, some things that you said. One, uh, with the officials. You know, the Browns, you know, this has been going on all season. We've seen it in every single game so far. What the Browns have to do is they need to put themselves in a position to win the football game and take the officials out of the equation. If you take the officials out of the equation and dominate your opponent to where you know one or two calls that say don't go your way won't affect you, then they're doing their jobs. Uh, second with Landry, I, I think with Jarvis, he has such a high expectation from his, for himself, and it's something that I love about him. That you know he expects to make every single catch and every single ball that's thrown his way, and I think he had 10 or 11 targets uh, this week uh, from Baker Mayfield, and he only caught two of them. So by his standard, that's a really poor game, and and I think it's something you know we'll continue to watch as the season continues. But you know with Jarvis, he holds himself to such high expectations that those two catches were unacceptable to him, and that's something that I I like about him. Hopefully that's something that he could instill into the rest of the receivers who are dropping balls and whatnot and uh, go to practice, put in the work that needs to be done in, in order to make sure that those balls are caught. And I hope, um, you know, the receiving core, the, the rest of it besides Landry, watches him and, and see what he's see what he does uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about about this game at all? No, I, I, we covered everything, and if we talk about it anymore, I think I might get really pissed. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I think we, we kind of agree that there won't be a top dog this week because no one on this team deserved it after getting blown out by 24 points. So there won't be a top dog this week. Hopefully next week uh, we can give out that award to somebody. And uh, as we move on with this podcast, we're going to go through some of the roster moves uh, that the Browns have made uh, over the last – 72 hours, uh, you know, even before the game even started. 
Uh, on Saturday, they sh- they signed former first-round pick Brashad Perriman, who was formerly with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, he's had a case of the drops, too. Um, Damari Scott and Xavier Woodson were signed to the active roster today uh, from the practice squad. Uh, Rod Streeter and Derek Woolies were both placed on IR. Uh, Streeter broke his neck in Sunday's game, which is amazing considering he kind of walked off the field. Uh, Willies broke his collarbone in practice uh, towards the end of last week, which is why they signed Perriman on Saturday. Uh, they waived James Burgess with an injury designation. So uh, if he clears waivers, the Browns will be able to place him on IR and he could be back next season. And uh, today they also placed or signed Blake Jackson, who's a wide receiver to the practice squad. He was uh, here with the Browns in training camp. Um, you know, looking at all these moves that the Browns have uh, made over the last 72, 96 hours or so, is there any one of these that really catches your eye, or is this just a case of uh, trying to fill in fill in the roster because of some of the unfortunate injuries that have happened? Well, I think the Brashad Perriman is the one that obviously stands out the most. You know, he was talented coming out of Central Florida, you know, um, he really got put on the map because of Blake Bortles. And then uh, the 2014 season after Bortles left, he really shot up everybody's draft boards. You know, the kid can run, obviously, clocked at 4.2 at the combine and his pro day. Um, his pro- his biggest problem is is he can't catch. He's had consistency, consistency of dropping the football a lot. Um, you know, it's just like Callaway. I mean, it's just... He's got the talent there. He's obviously had some injury problems too, but he can't catch the ball. And it's making me wonder if why the Browns haven't forked out money to guys that have been in the building to play wide receiver who know they can catch and said just taking flyers on guys that can't catch the football. But, you know, give Perriman a shot. Obviously the talent's there. Maybe Adam Henry, the wide receiver coach, can work with him. Um, hopefully Perriman's on the jug machine every day before and after practice um, and trying to build up that chemistry with Baker because obviously Baker put some zip on the ball. So going to have to adjust the speed a little bit on the jugs machine. Um, the Damari Scott signing is interesting, bringing, you know, bringing him up. You know, he had a nice preseason. I know there are some people hoping he was going to make the 53 man roster after camp. Um, you know, the Browns are taking a gamble at that wide receiver position because outside of Landry, obviously Higgins is on the shelf right now. But, you know, going with, you know, Perriman, Callaway, who have inconsistent hands, and then you have Ratley and Scott, who are both either late-round rookie or undrafted rookie. So the Browns are taking a gamble on that wide receiver position right now, and I think John Dorsey's hoping that the coaching staff can get these guys ready and it pays off in the end. Yeah, hopefully. I think what they're looking for is just one of these guys to, you know, help soften the blow because, you know, before Higgins went down, he seemed to be reliable. Obviously, we know what Landry is. Uh, Cowboy has been really inconsistent. I, I think they're looking for you know at least just one more guy um, to get in there and and soften the blow to um, you know receiving core that that's really lost a lot uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know obviously I, I think they were hoping Willie's could be that guy, and unfortunately he got hurt. And then obviously Streeter, you know, just he played one snap 
and that was on uh, special teams, and it was just a freak accident. Like you said, it was amazing he was able to walk off, and but unfortunately he broke his neck, and you know hopefully he has a good recovery. Hopefully he has another chance to play in the NFL again. I know he's been around for a few years, so this might be the end of the road. I hope it's not because Streeter has shown at times, whether he was in Oakland or in San Francisco, that he can play wide receiver at this level. So hopefully he gets that opportunity to play again. Um, you know, speaking of wide receivers, um, you know, there have been numerous uh, trade talks or, or even bringing in Dez. Um you know, there have been Amari Cooper talks over the last couple of days. Uh, you know, there's been the Odell talks. Um, you know, but, you know, Cooper and Odell are on other teams. But the guys that they can sign, Des Bryant, uh, they brought in Jonathan Hankins. They brought in Brashad Breland. Uh, today they brought in Navarro Bowman uh, at linebacker to, to work him out. But none of these guys have signed uh, with the team at all. Uh, are the Browns wasting an opportunity to, to add talent? To this team, or are these players just not the right fit at all? It, I don't know if it's maybe they're not the right fit. You know, obviously Dez was brought in with big high profile thing. Was on Hard Knocks. You know, uh, was on Twitter watching the Browns during preseason. Was like hyped, and obviously it's not a right fit. Maybe you know, I th- I think money might be an issue, and I think they see the agents of these players see like. The Browns have a lot of cap space. These guys are really talented. Maybe we could try to, you know, screw them over for a big contract or something. Uh, obviously, Hankins went to Oakland. Breland went to Green Bay. You know, Dez and Bowman are still on the market. Bowman's not signing with Cleveland. That's per Jordan Schultz of Yahoo Sports. Um, Dez is obviously still available, and I think it's apparent why. If you follow him on Twitter, you know, he's doing all these workout videos on Instagram. Reminds me of Josh Gordon. Um which is, you know, obviously shows right there what why I don't think the Browns should pursue Des Bryant. I just think it's these guys are trying to screw the Browns over money-wise, even though we have the cap space. But maybe John Dorsey just doesn't see them as a fit. And, you know, if he doesn't see them as a fit, that's fine. I also think of it, and I said this earlier, where I think they might be still trying to rebuild, even though I don't – I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. This is still a young team. It's the youngest team in the National Football League. And obviously Dorsey wasn't going to turn the roster into a contender in one year. And he obviously sees that he wants to get the young guys an opportunity to play. Uh, Obviously the coaches might have different thoughts. They're trying to win. So they'll play the veterans over the young guys. But I think, you know, obviously if it was the right fit, and a player would willing to come in and take less money than that they wanted to, to, you know, help this team, not just on the field, but with the young talent off the field, then I think Dorsey would make a move. But I think it's apparent that he's not making that move for a reason. Um, well, let's talk about the trade rumors right before we got out of here. You know, obviously I mentioned there's been Amari Cooper rumors the last couple of days. Uh, apparently the Raiders want a, a first round pick for Amari you know, there have been the, the constant Odell things that have gone back since uh, uh, the Browns traded for Jarvis Landry and, and before he signed his extension. You know, both, obviously both of these teams are looking for first-round picks. Is, is that something that you're willing to give up for a, a receiver or, or really any player right now? Is, is Are you willing to sacrifice draft capital to 
improve this team now uh, for, let's face it, they're not going to contend for the playoffs, but we think they can get pretty close this year. Is that something that you're willing to part with uh, this season or in next year's draft to improve now, or are you uh, willing to wait and take your first-round pick in next year's draft and then maybe uh, see what's out there uh, after draft and after free agency next year? I think if the Browns were serious about contending, then I would have no problem with them going out and giving up a first-round pick for Odell Beckham. Um, I was kind of open to the idea of Amari Cooper until I seen the statistic that had him with a high catch percentage or high drop percentage, and the only other guys to be that high with 100 targets was Braylon Edwards in 07 and 08. Now, granted, 07 was a spectacular year by Braylon. And then Greg Little's rookie season in 2011. And and I kind of stood stepped back and was like, I think Amari Cooper's talented, but I don't want to deal with the drops. We already have guys on the roster that drop the ball enough. Uh, if we gave up a high pick for Cooper, and then knowing that he's due $13 million next year, I think around that number, and then obviously if you're giving up a high pick, you would probably look to re-sign him long-term. I would rather keep my draft assets and not make a move for Cooper. Now, if Beckham was available just because he signed long-term, I probably would debate it a little bit, but then give up the talent or the pick for Beckham, even though he's kind of a head case. And I think it's apparent what's going on in New York right now, even when the owner's telling him to make more headlines on the field than off the field. Uh, But I would have no problem you know, probably sacrificing a top draft pick for Beckham just because he's one of the best receivers in the game. And he would take the pressure off of guys like Landry and Callaway and give Baker another solid target to work with. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. The only way I'm giving up a first-round pick is when is when the Browns are ready to compete for a Super Bowl. Not, not just the playoffs, but for a Super Bowl. Because at that point... You know, you're going to be so far down in the first round that it's, it's much like giving up a, a second rounder uh, at that point. So, you know, I'm not ready to, to give out first round picks for players yet. Um, you know, maybe maybe next year, maybe the year after that. But, you know, the Browns aren't in a position to, you know, just to throw away first round picks for, for guys who might help you win an extra game this year or might help you win an extra game next year. I want those players when they come in to be the deciding factor of if they're hoisting the Lombardi trophy or not. Um, Obviously they're not ready to do that yet. So I'm not willing to to part with uh, any kind of first round pick yet. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we get out of here? No, sir. All right, go ahead and give your plugs for everything. You can check out, my website, thenorthcoastsports.com, for all the latest on Cleveland sports. You can follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle, and check out the North Coast Sports Cast. Let's say that again, the North Coast Sports Cast. I don't know why there was a pause there, but we will be dropping a new episode this week to preview the upcoming season for the Cavs as their season gets started on Wednesday night against Toronto. Should be an interesting, hopefully fun season for the Wine and Gold, but. Uh, Stay tuned for the North Coast Sportscast. It should be fun. As always, you can follow the show on Twitter and on Facebook at 1085 Gridiron. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-V-I. 
Uh, be sure to follow uh, Brown's Film Breakdown on Twitter. That's Brown's Film uh, BKN uh, or BD, BDN uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, Jake's going to kill me for getting that wrong. But I've been putting uh, some graphics up over there, helping out with Jake. Uh, today I put up uh, Baker Mayfield's passing chart uh, against the Chargers. Uh, so, so be sure to go check that out. Uh, as always, you can find our podcast on pretty much any uh, platform that you can think of, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio, like I said, pretty much anything. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate our podcast. We'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back later this week to preview uh, the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And with that, as we get on out of here, I'll leave you with this, as I do at the end of every, every episode, and that is Go Browns. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.